And good morning, Moraine Valley Church. You all doing well? Good, good. How many of you have ever been snorkeling before? Snorkel? You snorkel by a reef before? Coral reef? I got a picture of one up here, I believe. If you've never been by one of those before, amazing sight and usually some pretty amazing fish that swim around in those areas. You know, I remember on two occasions I've done it, and I remember swimming around and it just seemed like every angle you looked at and every turn you took, you saw something new. Maybe you passed by it before, but this time you passed by, you're like, whoa, and then a new fish comes through and you just keep on seeing new and different things. Well, to be honest with you, that's the way I feel about John 15. Literally, I've been swimming around in John 15 for over 40 years. Because I remember, as a brand new believer, only a couple weeks old in the Lord, sitting in Camp Pendleton, a young Marine, and sitting outside at lunchtime, just become a believer maybe about a month before, sitting out against the barracks at lunchtime, meditating and trying to memorize John 15. And it's a passage, you know, the, the part about the vine and the branches. And I've gone back to this so many times throughout my life. And every time I go back, I feel like swimming by a coral reef. Wow, I never, wow, that's a new angle. Wow, I never saw that before. Wow, look at that. And even as I came to prepare for this Sunday, that happened again. So if nothing else, that tells you one thing about John 15, if you're newer to this passage, one sermon will not cover everything you need to know or get out of John 15. Nor will two sermons. Because if you remember, uh, Pastor Don spoke on this back in May when he first came to preach to us. He spoke on John 15. And so I want to remind you what he said at that time. And there were three main points that Don talked about. He talked about God's pruning goes before God's produce. And as we read John 15, we see that. Then he says this, God will work in you to produce fruit through you. Second truth of John 15, further in the passage, God promises to answer our prayers. So my desire this morning is not to try to redo the passage with a different spin that Don did. I think he did a great job sharing with us the heart of that truth. I wanna focus on two key words in John 15 the word fruit, and the word abiding. And I want to take those words and try to bring them down a little bit lower for us so we can grab them and actually make them a part of our daily lives so that the truth of John 15 can become the truth of our life. You follow me? So the heart of the truth, open your Bibles to John 15. If you haven't yet. John 15, I'm going to read verses 4 and 5 to us because I believe in these two verses summarize the heart of this whole truth of this whole passage as Jesus draws the point here. And he says that first of all, in a negative sense, in verse 4, 
Then he says it in a positive sense in verse 5. Watch for this as I read verses 4 and 5 of John 15. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, Jesus is using an illustration from the agricultural world of a vine. <laughs> and he's teaching us a spiritual truth as he's comparing our relationship with Jesus with a kind of relationship of vine between the vine and the branch. And so this is the way that I summarize it. Simply stated, if you take this and uh, take it in the order of the first verse here, Basically, we're saying apart from Jesus, we cannot bear fruit. Just like the branch apart from the vine physically cannot bear fruit, so we apart from Jesus cannot bear fruit. We must abide in Jesus to bear fruit. When you don't abide in Jesus, there's no fruit. When you abide in Jesus, there's fruit. That's why the word abiding and fruit are very crucial for us to try to understand more today. Here's another way I'd say it. I think this captures the heart of both those verses. It's impossible to bear fruit for God unless you abide in Jesus. That's the teaching of John 15. It is impossible for you to bear fruit for God unless you're abiding in Jesus. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. What does this, what is this fruit? You know, if the goal is to bear fruit, then what is fruit? Well, let's take it in the uh, agricultural world. Take a tree, an apple tree, for instance. I know there's some people, they're able to look at a tree and the way it's made in the wood before it bears any fruit. And they can tell the kind, I, I'm not that good. But if there's an apple on the tree, guess what? I know that's an apple tree. If there's a peach on the tree, ah, that's a peach tree. So what, what fruit is, is the internal life, the internal power inside the tree is making an external manifestation product in its fruit. So the invisible internal power and life working within that plant is making an external visible product that we can see. That's basically what fruit is in its very basic sense. It's the product that comes from an invisible power that's working inside of the plant. And fruit is the driver in this passage. Matter of fact, it shows up six times in these few verses, and there's a movement in the passage as you read it that goes from no fruit to fruit, to more fruit, to much fruit. And so fruit is driving this whole passage and even more than that, look down to verse eight again in this passage. This, this makes it even more important. My father is glorified by this, 
that you bear much fruit. And when you do that, you prove to be my disciples. Fruit is so crucial to the Christian life. It's the way we glorify God. And, you know, so I want to answer the question, what does it mean right here to bear fruit when Jesus' life is operating in us? Because we saw it, you know, it's when we're plugged into the vine that we bear much fruit. What is fruit when Jesus' life is operating in us? Well, the one I hear the most and it's from people who usually have the gift of evangelism or they're very strongly mission-minded and they read their gift or their mission into the text, they say it's people coming to Jesus. I don't think the context of the passage really says that is a fair interpretation. I think it's one expression of fruit but it's not the only expression of fruit. Matter of fact, not only the context of this passage, but as you look at the use of the word fruit throughout the New Testament, it's used in various different ways. Yes, it is used of people coming to Jesus as bearing fruit. That is one expression of it. But it's also used of holiness. Hey, we sang about holiness this morning. You read in Romans chapter six, guess what? Bearing the fruit of holiness. When Jesus, who we died with, is now expressing his life through us, holiness becomes what? And holiness, what Josh said it this morning. You're not a common person. You're separated from everybody else. You're living, you know what? We're not like the world. We're separated from them. We're wholly other. We're fully different. And when, we're, when God's life is working through us, guess what? Our life is totally different than the life of the world, which would make me stop and say, how much is my life like the world? <laughs> because if it's not, if it's a lot like the world's life, then I'm not holy. And if I'm not holy, guess what? The life of Jesus isn't operating in me the way it should be. You know, so just follow their logic as we talk through this. Actually, Romans 15 and Philippians 4 says that the giving of our finances to the work of God is an expression of fruit. We know this one, many of us in Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit, the character, the, the, the disposition of Jesus by means of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, the source is the Spirit, the product is love, Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And so when the Holy Spirit is in operation in your life, what he produces in me is a character and a disposition that looks nothing like my life would look apart from that. Philippians, Hebrews, and James say righteousness is one of the fruits that is born when Jesus is in control of our life. Hebrews 13, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to the Lord. When you have a grateful heart and you give thanks to God, you're, that's fruit being born throughout your life. 
goodness, righteousness, and truth, according to Ephesians 5, 9, are all expressions of the fruit of God. And then in ministry, if you remember uh, Paul talking in Romans chapter 1, he said, I want to come to you guys so that I might bear some fruit among you as he ministers to them. So as we're ministering and something happens in the life of the person we're ministering to that has no explanation except for God, that's fruit. That's a manifest, that's an that's an external manifestation visibly of an internal invisible life working inside me and through me. You follow me? So these are all expressions in the New Testament of what fruit can be. So this is what I say. Whenever my character, my disposition displays that of Jesus, that's fruit. Righteousness, holiness, love, joy, you know, all those things we just talked about. Whenever my life is displaying that, that's fruit. Well, guess what? If there's fruit there, that's evidence that the internal life of Jesus is working in me. And when I minister through my unique makeup and my unique gifts, and when you someone else is super unique makeup and gifts, and someone else is supernaturally impacted that in a way that only God can do it, that is fruit. So, yes, evangelizing someone who doesn't know Jesus, but it's just them being saved. What does Paul say? Some plant, some water, some reap. So is it only fruit if somebody comes to Christ? What happens if God made you a planter who goes out in the middle of the world and you're just planting seeds? Mike, you're a planter. You're out there constantly planting seeds among the lost. And there's others who are waterers, and I, think, I feel like that's the gift God's given me. And, and they're the ones that seem to take that seed and they pour water on it so it'll grow. But people like Gary Olson, they're reapers, and every time somebody leaves Gary, they've come to Jesus. Does that mean what Mike and I did was not real and it wasn't a work of God? No, every one of those is a manifestation of God's work. So when it comes to fruit and even evangelism, not just people getting saved, it's when a seed is planted or when a one is watered. But how about somebody with a gift of encouragement? And you meet with somebody who's discouraged and they're down and somehow... God works through you with your gift of encouragement in such a way that the discouraged person leaves encouraged in a way that the only explanation is God. Boy, they went away and man, there's something changed inside. There was a, there was a work in their heart. Brothers, that's the fruit of God working through that unique gift. How about somebody with a gift of mercy? There was somebody who's hurting or grieving. I don't have the gift of mercy, but I talked to a brother this week who lost his son just in uh, like 32, 33 years old. And uh, he's grieving, but not as those who have no hope because he knows Jesus, his son did. But there, there's something about when people with a gift of mercy get next to somebody who's hurting like that, and God's given them a supernatural ability to get next to somebody who's grieving and somehow bring them comfort and to feel that somebody gets me and somebody understands. That's an expression of fruit. The list goes on and on. So here's my best definition of fruit. 
Put it on a PowerPoint. Fruit is any expression of Jesus' character in that person or any expression of Jesus through their unique makeup and giftness that impacts others. That's when you take the Bible and you take the full counsel of God's word and you seek to understand what fruit is, it's either an expression that shows up in your character and disposition that's so different from who you are, but only like Jesus, or it's something that happens through you and other people that can only be explained by Jesus. That's what fruit is. So I want you to answer the following question for me. This answer verbally, use your outside voices, Josh would say. Even though we're inside, we'll go, since Josh said it, it must be okay. What kind of fruit would an apple tree produce? You guys are good. What kind of, now we're gonna, each one's gonna get a little tougher. What kind of fruit would a peach tree produce? What kind of fruit would an orange tree produce? Okay, now I'm gonna make it a little bit harder. We're We're gonna make it a little tougher. What kind of fruit would a grape vine produce? Grapes. What kind of fruit would a Jesus vine produce? Jesus. You see, isn't that what this passage is saying? I'm the vine, right? So guess what? The kind of fruit that's going to come out of my life when I'm plugged into Jesus, it's going to look like Jesus. My character is going to look like Jesus and my ministry is going to look like Jesus and it's going to be Jesus' life flowing through me. That internal invisible life that's working inside of me is visibly and externally being displayed. That's what fruit is. So, Here's my, uh, another little twist I want to put on it. And so let me say it this way. I got it on a PowerPoint. The unique, note this, the unique expression, because I want to tie this down a little bit tighter. The unique expression of Jesus' life through you in light of the way he uniquely designed, gifted, and called you. So we're going we're gonna to tighten up. So fruit is an expression of Jesus. So is it a cookie cutter? We all look the same? No, because Jesus made us all differently. We all have different personalities. We all have different gifts. We have different makeup. So it's a unique expression of Jesus' life through us. I worked, uh, when I was going through seminary, I worked for a guy, he was a pharmaceutical salesman who had a gigantic garden in his backyard because he grew up as a farmer. And so he loved, you know, growing gardens. And in that garden was a peach tree. And, I, and he told me, Pat, you can eat peaches off at any time. I'll tell you what, there is no fruit like a tree ripened peach. You know, we get them picked two or three weeks before they get shipped to the store. But when you take and it's been ripened on the tree, <laughs> man, there's no fruit like that. His name, I called him Mr. Gibson. His nickname was Hoot. I don't know what his real first name was. I don't know if you remember him, but Hoot. And so Hoot said to me one day, he says, Pat, guess what I did? 
I took a branch from a pear tree and I grafted it into a peach tree. So his question to me was this, what kind of fruit do you think it produced? I was like, hmm, good question. Well, peach tree probably produced peaches. No, he said no. They said, well, it, it must have produced pears. No. He said, what it produced was a fruit that had characteristics of both the peach and the pear in the way it looked and in the way it tasted. It was a whole new fruit. So guys, guess what? When Jesus hooks up uniquely with Dawn, guess what? He's going to look different than the way he does with Abe. Because here you are, you got different makeups, you got different gifts, you're a different gender. And so when Jesus is expressing himself through you two, it's gonna look totally different. But it's Jesus and it's his expression of fruit through your life specifically. And so we gotta think every one of us as unique branches with my personality, with my giftedness, with my makeup, plucked into Jesus and now me and Jesus have become one where he's in me and I'm in him and now he's expressing his life through me, guess what that's going to look like? It's going to look unique in each one of us. So that means that Jesus living inside of Pat, when he's trusting him and Jesus is expressing himself in and through Pat, is going to look very different than when Jesus is living in and Pastor Don Kaufman is trusting Jesus and using his gift and his makeup, it's gonna look very different. We're all different by design, by the way. <laughs> we all have different callings, we all have different gifts, we all have different makeup. All of that's designed to bring glory to God. And when we are plugged into Jesus, he makes a unique expression of fruit anytime he's manifesting his character in his life inside me and through me, and anytime he's doing something through me. So are we together? That's fruit. That, I think, is fair to the text. I think it's fair to the image that Jesus is giving and not trying to read things into it. But all this fruit is dependent upon abiding. Because what did Jesus say? Uh, that, that a branch, when he takes that, I'm looking back at verses four and five, he says that branch in the agricultural world can't bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. He who abides me and I am, he bears much fruit. Abiding is the key here. So what does abiding mean? Now we know what fruit is. It's an expression of Jesus in and through me, okay? That's the simplest way to say it in the unique way he's made and gifted me. Now, the way I get to that fruit is by abiding in Jesus. So what does it mean to abide? And there's two aspects to this word abide. There's a time element to the word, and there is a location element to the word. So if you took this word for abide, meno, and you traced it through the New Testament, you would see it being used sometimes regarding time, sometimes regarding location. And let me see, let me find my notes here. 
when you're talking about time. It's talking about remaining someplace, staying someplace, continuing in a certain state or place. And the location or the place has to do with a dwelling, a room, an abode. What do we say? Welcome to my humble abode. When somebody comes into our home, it's the place where we reside. It's the place where we live. It's our home. It's our residence. It's our dwelling place. So you're in John. Look at, look at chapter 14, verse 2. You there? John 14, 2. Jesus started the upper room discourse. You know what we're talking about. These are truths that Jesus said are essential for his followers to know. The truth we're talking about today is essential for us to know from the time that Jesus went back to the Father till the time he comes back to get us. And so he says this in his explanation to the guys in verse 2. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. Some of your Bibles say many rooms, many meadow, many abidings. In other words, it's this picture of a house and this is the room you stay in. This is the room you live in. This is the room you camp out in. And so this is the exact same word that's used in John 15, except for this is a noun, John 15 is a verb. And so here we see that this um, dwelling, this abiding, has to do with a place where you stay. Look at down in verse 23 of John 14. We actually looked at this verse last week. Jesus then said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my commandments, keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with it. We'll make our home. We'll make our residence. We'll take up residence within him. And so my definition of abiding is simply this. Put it up here for you. It's continuing to be at home with Jesus. It's the ongoing, close, intimate relationship with Jesus. But you know, being at home, let's take that for a second. It's kind of like being in your living room. You know, what are we when we're at home? We're ourselves. <laughs> we're out in the world and we got to put on all this stuff to make it through this crazy world. Of course, that's not the way Jesus calls us to live, but so often we do that. But when we're home, we go, I can be totally myself. And what this means is that I can be totally myself with Jesus and Jesus can be totally himself with me and we're both being comfortable being in the same room together because we both think alike, we both have the same desires, we have the same attitudes, we have the same goals, we have the same whatever, so we're at home with one another. And so to abide with Jesus is being at home with Jesus and Jesus being at home with me. We're comfortable with one another. So when it comes to this, in chapter 14, he's talking about our union with Jesus. In chapter 15, he's talking about our communion with Jesus. Now, 
look back at chapter 14, verse 20. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. So Jesus said, you're, you're going you're, you're to realize in that day, we learned that a week or two ago, I can't remember when we talked about this, but there's going to come that day, and it's after the resurrection ascension of Jesus, when we're going to realize that Jesus is in the Father, and the Father's in Jesus, and guess what? And you and me, and I in you that Jesus actually dwells, resides, abodes in me, and I actually reside inside of, abode within, live within Jesus. We're one spirit, as the scripture says. We're one. So our union with Christ has to do with Jesus living in me and me living in Jesus as one. Now look back at verse 10. This is important. Chapter 14, verse 10. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me. Same word again. Does his words. What he's saying here is this. Abiding is synonymous with the word in. It's, it's synonymous, this relationship. The Father is abiding in the Son and the Son is abiding in Jesus. There's a oneness that's going on there. He's saying this word, the Father, who he doesn't just say is in me, but abiding in me is doing his work. Abiding is Christ in me and me in Christ. It's a oneness between the two of us. It's the mutual indwelling, the mutual presence, the mutual at home of Jesus in me and me in Jesus. So all that goes to say is this. Chapter 14 talks about this union, our position in Christ. Chapter 15 talks about our communion our walk, our practice of Christ. How do we live out this thing that Jesus is in me and me in Christ? So John 15 begins to talk about what this looks like as we live. And I know that because if you look back at verse four, when Jesus says, abide in me, all these other ones are just facts and truths that are stated. This is a command. This is an action. This is the decisive thing that we are to do. So it's not just the fact that Jesus is living in me and I'm living in Jesus. Now there's something I'm supposed to do with that. And Jesus is moving the discussion from the fact that we're in one another, how to live with one another, and what happens when we live that way. Hope I'm not losing you. I'm saying a lot quick. Sorry, but... Uh, Jesus is calling those who are already in union with him to live like it. Live the way you really are. Jesus is really abiding you and you're really abiding in him, then really live like you're abiding with him because you are. And so it's that fact of Jesus 
in a practical way, being comfortable with my life and the way I'm living my life and the decisions I'm making and the relationships I'm in and the conversations and the thoughts and the list goes on and on. And to me, to be at home with Jesus means that I'm comfortable with the way Jesus thinks. And I'm not fighting and kicking against what Jesus said or trying to disprove it or to get rid of it. But if Jesus said it, I love it. I'm in. I'm there. You following me? We're not resisting. So there's a, there's a oneness. There's a practical one. It's kind of like Kim and I. When we became married, the two became one. Well, that practical oneness is lived out day by day because we are one. Now we live in harmony with one another and we're learning to you know, the same goals, the same desires, the same, you know, you, you keep on growing as one. And so this passage is saying that we're to be at home with Jesus. And Jesus at home with us day by day, moment by moment. That's what it means to abide. So the deepest part of who I really am in Christ is coming out in the way that I'm living my life. So when I'm walking with Jesus, I'm meeting with him. I'm letting his word shape my life. I'm talking to him through prayer. I'm obeying what he's saying. I'm trusting him to do the miracles in my life so I can live the way he's called me to live. I'm living for him. I'm filled with the spirit. I'm controlled by his spirit. That's what it means to walk in fellowship, if you want to use that word, with Jesus. I'm walking with him moment by moment. And when I do that, guess what happens? I'm abiding in the vine in his life. Starts to manifest itself in my attitudes and my dispositions in out through me to the people I minister to. But when I'm not meeting with Jesus and being fed, Kim was gone for a week visiting a friend and I remember she said, uh, Pat, you gotta water the flowers every other day. And so um, a big potted flower, and it was kind of interesting. I missed the day I forgot. I never told you that, baby, but you know it now. <laughs> So, you know, there's this one big flower mill, but there's little ones on the side. So when I went out to water, guess what? All the ones on the side were just kind of laying over like, oh man, I hope I didn't kill these things. They look dead. They don't look good. So I watered I came back about three hours later. Guess what? Those things on the side were all perked up. They were alive and well. So I've been watching ever since then. So interesting to watch those flowers as they go from. And so guess what? With Jesus in a practical way, guess what? If I'm not feeding and meeting and praying with Jesus, guess what? I'm like that plant that's kind of going, Ugh. and I'm not bearing any fruit and I'm just kind of all dried out because I'm not getting the life. I'm not living from the life. I can't bear fruit of myself. I can only come from Jesus, the vine. And so when we're not doing those things and connecting and fellowship with you, we don't bear fruit because it's the internal life that expresses the fruit, not my imitation of that. So the greatest expression of abiding, of abiding comes when I'm relying upon the indwelling life of Jesus within me to live a completely different life 
than I would naturally if Jesus wasn't a part of it. I might invite Dave Perrow up to explain what would his life look like if Jesus wasn't a part of it? What would your life look like? And unfortunately, some of you say, I know real well because that's what it looks like every day. That's not a good place to be. But you know what? My life's going to be totally different if Jesus is a part of it because he's going to be bearing his fruit through it. It's going to look very different. It's the language of Galatians 2.20. Paul said it this way. Actually, abiding is the, Paul's word in Christ. And we're in Galatians 2.20 now, and he says this. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I live, but Christ lives in me. Hey, guess abiding. <laughs> Christ lives in me. I'm in Christ. Christ is in me. I'm one with him. My life is different. So how do I live this? The life which I now live in the flesh, the life I now live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. How do I live? This abiding in Christ, I rely upon him to do things through me that I can never do for myself that only he can do. And I put my faith in the indwelling Son of God, his spirit, the one who loved me. And this is amazing. Somebody said this to me a couple weeks ago and he gave himself for me. Do you know that Jesus paid to have a relationship with you and me? And he paid for it with his own blood and his own life. That's how much Jesus wants this fellowship, this abiding, this oneness in a practical way with us. He wants it so badly, he paid for it. How badly do we want it in return of meeting with Jesus, dwelling together, being at home with one another, living with each other? So, a couple questions to ask how you're doing. Do you see fruit in your life? Do you see evidence in your character, in your disposition that looks more like Galatians 5 and the fruit of the Spirit and holiness and righteousness and truth? Or do you not? And do you see when you meet with other people and you're just being yourself, using the gift God's giving you, but relying upon him to do a miracle through Do you find that people leave that time and go, wow, I can't believe God just did something there. And God just did, you know, are you seeing that happen? If you are, it's evidence that God is bearing fruit through you and it's evidence that you're living in reliance upon him and fellowshipping with him. But if you're not seeing any of that, you just, you know what the problem is. You're not fellowshipping with, or maybe you don't know Jesus. And so prove to be my disciples. If you don't see any evidence of the character of Jesus in your life or any evidence of him using you in a supernatural, you gotta stop and ask the question, do I even know Jesus? Have I come into a relationship with the one who wanted it so badly with me, he was willing to pay for it with his own blood? Do you know Jesus this morning? I don't know who's here today and what you got. Maybe you've been religious. Maybe you've been moral. Maybe you've been good. Maybe you're a churchgoer. None of those do it. The only thing it does is coming before God saying, God, I have to admit, I could never be good enough to be acceptable by you. So I'm not worried about telling you how bad you are because bad is bad, but even good's not good enough. You follow me? 
So wherever you are on the spectrum, no matter how religious, how moral, how good, whatever it is, when I stand before a holy God, who's holy other, who's holy perfect, when I stand before him, all I can say is God. Like Isaiah said, Lord, I'm a sinner. And what did God do? He touched them. He cleansed them. And God touches us through Jesus and what he did on the cross. And when I turn, that means to repent, when I change my mind, when I realize that me trying to be good and religious will never do it, and I turn from myself to Jesus and what he did on the cross, and I grab on and rely upon him at that moment, I am supernaturally born again by the Spirit of God. He takes out that old heart that wanted to live its own way. He puts in a brand new heart and he places his Holy Spirit inside of us and he causes us to walk in his ways and to be careful with his statutes. So although it's what this is all about. <laughs> so you might look at your life and say, I don't see any of that. It's because maybe you don't know Jesus. If you don't, we got people up here afterwards. Come, we want to help you understand how to put your trust in Jesus. So let me ask you this. So that's the first, are you bearing fruit? Here's the second one. Is your lifestyle one that Jesus would be comfortable with? Now we're talking about abiding. Every place you go, everyone you're with, is he at home with the way you think? And I think when I say you, I'm talking about me, brother, I need this as much. Is he, is he comfortable? Is he like sitting in the living room like you do at home on Sunday afternoon, you're just kicking off your shoes and relaxing? Can Jesus be at home? But boy, if somebody's in my home and they were a threat to my home, they're doing things I don't like, I'm not gonna be comfortable anymore, right? So the question is, is Jesus comfortable with your thoughts? with your conversations, with your speech, with your desires, with your habits, with your relationships, with your entertainment. That's what abiding in Jesus is. It's Jesus remaining and continually being at home with me. And are you comfortable and at home with Jesus and the way he thinks and the way he talks? and his desires, and the habits he practiced. We learned earlier this year about walking in the habits of Jesus and the kind of relationships he would have and the kind of entertainment he wants. And are we comfortable with him saying, I am Lord and King and master of your life. I got the right to tell you what. Do you fight that? Do you, or do you say, I love that, Jesus. Yes, I'm here to submit to you. Are you letting his word shape your life and instruct you how to live with Jesus in a way that's comfortable? If our answer to this is yes, that's evidence we're abiding with Jesus. But the answer is no, then we're not. So brothers and sisters, like I said, I, I just introduced you to this passage today. It's worth going back and snorkeling in. I've been snorkeling in it for over four decades. I'd encourage you to go back. Hopefully I gave you a couple handles to help you jump into it. This is a passage worth memorizing, meditating, and praying over again and again. This is the heart of our life. And if we wanna make any impact on anybody that makes an eternal difference, it's only gonna come because we're abiding in Jesus 
and he's expressing his life through our disposition and the things we do. Josh, I think you're gonna lead us through this song again that you just taught us. And um, let me pray. And might you enter into this last song prayerfully as we sing about abiding again. Father, I just wanna pray that your Holy Spirit, I think of the men on the road to Emmaus, when Jesus said that he unfolded to them, them everything in the Old Testament that referred to him, Lord, they still didn't get it until you opened up their minds later on. And I wanna pray, God, that, God, I can give all I got, I can give it with all my heart, I can do it the best ever, which it wasn't. But God, apart from the Spirit of God doing the miracle of opening up my eyes to see this in your word and opening my mind to understand, and like Lydia, my heart to respond, Lord, it's just not gonna make a difference. So I ask you, God, would you extend your hand this morning at Moraine Valley Church? Speak, might each one of us hear the voice of God speaking to us where we need it. God, some of us need to be encouraged, some of us need to be rebuked, and a lot in between. But Lord, I just invite you as we sing this last song, as we turn to you to worship you, would the invisible life of Jesus be at work in us? And God, would you bear glory, would you bear fruit to us, through us, to the glory of your name? It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.